If I make a million dollars I'll vacation in the south And I'll smile Inspiring Educators Podcast, a space where you can let go, learn, laugh, and be inspired. We have an awesome show for you all today. First, let's start off with our awesome host. Hi, it's Lila, the educator motivator coming from LA. I am teaching at an all-girls school this year. I am currently the CPM regional coordinator for LAUSD, as well as this is my um, sixth year as a Math for America fellow, but I'm also a master teacher this year. This week, I am grateful for the support system that I'm starting to attract into my life. It's been little shocking, but I've had so many new people come into my life that are so positive and uplifting, and it's exactly what I needed, and it's right on time with this new school that I'm in, and it just makes me feel really good about the space that I'm in and I'm moving forward in this school year. Good evening, everyone. Jadrian Grimes, Coach Jay here. I'm coming to you live from the ATL, Atlanta, Georgia. Spent 13 years in commercial banking and now transitioning over to uh, youth development and education. Um, one thing I'm grateful for this week is I actually had a conversation with one of my mentees. Uh, he's a junior at Alabama State University. Um, and I also have another mentee actually that's an incoming freshman that's going to Alabama State. Um, one's playing football and the other one's going on an academic scholarship. And just to hear uh, about the conversations that they've been having, I've been mentoring the older gentleman for about nine years now. And just to see how much he's grown, I'm now as a, a, a growing young man now, and he's interested in mentoring the incoming freshmen. So that was something that I was excited about to hear about, and I'm definitely thankful uh, for that. And this is Dr. Christopher Childs, the academic rock star. I'm a mathematics education consultant. I love just helping teachers learn to teach math better. I'm grateful this week. I had a mentee who was accepted into a doctoral program at a prestigious university. That was huge. I'm extremely proud of her as she begins her doctoral journey. And as I told her in my response, it's one thing to start, but it's all about finishing. Finish. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. This week, we have a very important topic dealing with stress in education. A lot of places, teachers are just not going back to school, but stress is real, especially if you've been teaching more than one day, you understand (laughs) all about stress. Teaching is one of the most demanding professions. 46% of teachers say they feel high daily stress. And what's interesting, roughly one half of teachers agree with this statement. The stress and disappointments involved in teaching at this school aren't really worth it. So as we think about this topic of dealing with stress as teachers, I want to pose a question. Why are teachers so stressed out? I have so much to do and I don't have enough hours in the day to do it. That's, that's, that's what sums it up for me. I have literally 55 things to do while I'm teaching 75 things to do in between classes (laughs) and 118 to do when class is over is not enough time in the day 
for me to do it all. And that's what mostly causes my stress. It's the time management of trying to handle everything that I have to, to handle within the 24 hour period that I have. And to add on to that, um, I'm sure I've heard it being in schools. Um, not only do you have so much stuff to do and so little time to do it in, we've talked about this before, the pay, right? Like that adds to it. I mean, once you have all of this stuff going on, not enough time to do it, and you feel like you're not being adequately compensated um, for the job that you're doing, um, for your output, um, that directly affects your stress level, um, in my opinion. Absolutely. So we think about it, Jacob brought an interesting point about the outside stressors. Let's talk about some internal stressors first. So the top three causes of stress, student behavior, performance on assessments, and then time management. Lila, you know the time part. One thing, think about the student behaviors. When we have, as teachers, you have, if you're elementary, you may have 30 students. If you're high school, you may have like 120. If you're middle school also. So we think about all those different dynamics coming into the room and what different students bring to the table. Mm -hmm. So student behavior can be a stressor. So Lila, tell us an instance, like how do you can deal with students possibly stressing you out during the day? I have a plan. <laughs> First off, I have procedures. So it's, it's a constant thing where I'm like, why are we sitting here? What are we supposed to be doing next? Y'all know we have eight things to do, right? Um, and so for me, the procedures definitely help with there not being any downtime for somebody to say, oh, I don't have anything to do, because that's oftentimes where a lot of that um, behavior comes in. Oh, I, I don't have anything to do. I'm done. No, you're not. Mm -mm, we got a lot of stuff to do. Um, but when it comes to those unexpected behavioral pieces, it's funny because I actually learned from my master teacher back when I was still student teaching, um, Andrea. Um, she didn't change her last name. Why well, I can't think of her last name? Andrea. She knows who she is. Um, she was so calm and collected. Every time kids would just pop off and just be off the wall she was you know hey let's talk let's step outside and talk about it for a minute um, how are you feeling why are you cursing at me oh you must be angry today do you need to take a breather and I'm I would sit back and look and be like how can you be this calm when you just called been, you've been called every name in the book <laughs> and been threatened and all sorts of things and that was really what allowed her to keep her sanity and I tried to embody that and take that with me where it's like okay, you feel some type of way. I don't want to feel some type of way. Let's go ahead and step outside and we'll talk about it there. Uh, what I like this year is that I now have a mindfulness corner, almost like a meditation corner where I'm um, dealing with all this estrogen in the school where these girls, you know, are dealing with all these things. I say, you know, if you need two minutes or you need a time, go sit in that mindfulness corner. And I do it myself, too. So if I'm saying, you know what, y'all are kind of off the wall right now. And instead of me speaking or addressing it, let me just go ahead and sit in the corner. And what's happened is that a lot of them are starting to realize what it means for me to go into that space in terms of their behavior or their actions. So for me, I think the procedures have definitely been a big thing to help me deal with a lot of stuff that's going on. That's interesting that you bring up that point. Um, talking about how she, I guess she just had a calmness about herself and she would take the student outside, I guess, 
what I took from that is she was basically figuring out the why behind. Why is this happening? Like, what's going on? Obviously, there's a root to this. Let's figure out what it is, and let's find out a solution. I'm really curious to know, because I like this, uh, is it mindfulness corner? Is that uh-huh. what How long have you been doing that, you said? Like, when did that, you happen with that? That just started this year. So the school um, is definitely trying to embody mindfulness. It's, it's, when you typically, you probably have heard it before, just meditation, like a quick yeah. five-minute meditation. Mm-hmm. So um, I had the idea, I said, you know what, I got this big space in my room. And I know what it's like to be around a bunch of girls all the time. And a lot of them are in shock from being at this school. They feel like it's a lot of rules that they're not used to. It's a lot of procedures. Um, They're dealing with all these other things. And so, especially with me being a new teacher on campus, I said, you know what? There's a space that literally has like, um, oil diffuser and a salt lamp and it has inspirational quotes and a book on meditation and some floor mats and you know a couple of girls have asked me miss can I close the mindfulness corner for like two minutes I'm like absolutely go there <laughs> um, decompress do what you got to do and then jump back into what you got to do um, yeah. because you clearly need that for you to ask me you clearly need that time to just relax yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually awesome. I, I guarantee that's happening in a small amount of schools just throughout the corner. Just somewhere, you know, it's a space in a room where you could just kind of go decompress and just kind of reset um, as you go throughout your day. Going throughout a day every day, whether you're a teacher or a student, like things can happen, right? You feel a way about this or feel a way about that. So I actually think that's pretty neat. So kudos to y'all for doing that. I think that's awesome. <laughs> And the thing about it, as you mentioned, Jadra, something's going to happen every single day. Yeah. Every day something's going to happen. It's really how do we respond to what happens. Yeah. So I think that mindfulness corner is a good idea. Another good idea is to sometimes just take a walk. I remember when I taught high school in between classes, I would literally just go for a walk. It may be like one to two minutes just because we had a short time. Mm-hmm. But I just gave myself time to think, decompress, and literally just be in my thoughts for a moment. And I think that walking kind of helps you just think about something different. Just take your mind away from the classroom and the academics for a moment. Yeah. That kind of brought up, I'm I'm curious to know, because you you both have been in the classroom more than me. What about, I guess, the time between classes? I know you say, Chris, you'll take a walk sometimes is that do you all have a regular or did you have a regular routine between classes where you just had your own set time or something that you did to kind of help you get throughout the day or so, is it you kind of took the spots as you got it throughout so the day? one of the things i did in between classes sometimes i would go for a walk on those on the stressful days but on a normal day in between classes i stood at my door and that took me outside of the actual classroom mm. They, and our classrooms are out in the portable area, so I got, one, I got fresh air. I got to remove myself just a little bit from the classroom, but outside of that door, I got to greet every single student. So that helped me alleviate some of the issues as they brought into the room. I knew exactly today, Johnny is not having a great day, so this is how I'm going to act towards him, just not to escalate him. Gotcha. Or Johnny's having a great day, so we're going to do some things different in class today. So for me, greeting them at the door, that was a stress reliever for me because it was a non-academic greeting. We just, hey, how you doing? I like your shoes. Gave a high five. And for me, that was a de-stressor in a short period of time, aside from going for the walks. 
Nice. I actually saw, and I'm sure y'all have saw some of these videos where the teachers are actually, they have a handshake, like with each child. You know, I ain't doing I that. Adding the animation to it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's to each its own. You know, but I thought that was kind of neat um, and impressive, actually. Yeah. Uh, not only do you, you know, you, it, it takes a different energy to be able to, to do that, but remembering all of those, it's like you have a, a oneness with each student, I guess, if you will, to kind of, mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of neat. It's like you can't go into class upset, like after we just did. <laughs> like, right. We're not going to be stressed today. Like, you know what I mean? I thought that was kind of neat. What's um, insert, well, our, our PD before school started was with a woman named Joel Hood. I couldn't tell you the title. However, she was absolutely amazing. She reminded me of like my spirit animal in terms of just this teacher emotional support. And she um, mentioned this whole idea of being curious, not furious about a lot of things that are going on. And so that's kind of piggybacking off of how you approach a situation. How can I be curious about what's happening instead of making an assumption and being furious? Gotcha. So as we think about the student behavior, let's also think about this a performance assessment. So we think about how students are constantly assessed around the board. And when they're assessed, that brings a level of stress and anxiety for teachers and the students. I know when it's testing season at schools, it's a different atmosphere around and stress is high. So what are some ways or what are some things you've done, Lila, possibly to try to calm the mood? I was very jokingly around test season. I was the person, we've done all we can before the test. So at this time, we just showcase what we know. So I was very relaxed during testing, but my colleagues were literally bloodshot eyes, drinking coffee, going crazy. So what are the majority? Everybody but me. I was, I was wow. Yeah, me personally, I'm the same as you, Chris. I don't stress because like you said, I've we've done our due diligence here um, up until that point. And I'm not going to cram because cramming does not help. Um, I'm not going to stress you. I'm not going to stress myself. So I I'm definitely in, in, in the same boat where I don't want to add additional stress and pressure because, I mean, some of our kids get test anxiety. So why do we want to add that on in terms of now I'm, I'm telling you how high stakes it is and I'm freaking out and you're freaking out. Oh, we're going to take this thing. We're going to show them everything that we know because we've learned so much this year and we're doing so amazing. Do, do you all think, in your opinion, um, with the, I guess, the performance assessment period, from a teacher standpoint, are they, I guess, stressing more largely because they're not prepared or that it may be directly tied to their job slash pay slash whatever they are at the school? Like, what, what do you think it leans? So I think it's actually both that... Oftentimes we have to, we're meeting our kids where they're at the entire school year. And if we met them where they were at so that we can move them forward, by the time we get to assessment time, it may not be the case that I've covered everything I need to cover. So now I'm going to be freaking out a little bit about those questions that they're going to be looking at. Like, I have no idea what this is. Mm. Um, and in the same respect, I know that the performance on students exams is going to be a reflection of me and 
what I've done throughout the school year. So if, you know, it shows that all of my students are below proficiency and I have half of the seventh grade, another teacher has the other half of the seventh grade and all those kids are meeting and above, what was I doing? You know, um, and not as, it often isn't that big of a drastic difference, but I feel like there's definitely pressure and, and each school is different in terms of how they support you and make you feel in that process. Mm. And I think that that's a really big factor as well. Like, how does your, how do your, how does your administration make you feel during testing time um, so that you don't feel like, you know, all is over if, if we don't, you know, ace this test or, you know, end up being above proficient or what have you? I think that's a key point. Is how do leaders cultivate a supportive condition for testing? Mm. Mm-hmm. Because if the leaders are stressed out, it's going to cause stress among everybody else. They're going to follow the leader's leader. And I totally get it. In some schools, this means if we don't do well in this test, the state is going to take over. If we don't do well in this test, teachers are going to get fired. If we don't do well in this test, I won't get a bonus check. I get that. So I understand that test and anxiety part. But we have to think about, did you do all that you can do? If you did all you can do, the test will take care of itself. That's what my principal told me my very first year of teaching. And we were a good school. His thing was, you just do the best you can, teach to the standards, and you'll be fine, which is true. But a lot of people, they're not teaching to the standards, and they're not doing the best they can throughout the year. So when the test comes, there's a level of anxiety. And I, I tell my students, just like I tell my kids now, all you can do is your best, yeah. period. If you do your best, and let's say you get a 60%, but you gave it your all, I'm proud of you. Yeah. But if you don't do your best, I'm going to be upset with you. Yeah. So as we think about that performance part, now let's look at that other piece of cause, top three causes of stress, time management. Lila hit on this at the very beginning of the hot topic. So as we think about time management, what are some ways teachers can do better with time management, I guess, in a sense, a sense, or improve their time management to possibly reduce their stress levels. I got some ideas. I'm going to let you two jump in. My number one, just say no. Mm. <laughs> that is my number one. Um, Pam Mason, our director for MFA, she definitely instilled that in us before we started teaching, and I've never let it go. And I have no problem with telling people, no, I cannot handle that additional task unless it is an absolute requirement of me in terms of my job duties. No, I don't want to teach summer school. No, I don't want to take on an auxiliary. No, I don't want to teach that class after school. No, I don't want to cover. Like, I don't know. I don't want to do those things. I understand that they're going to bring me additional funds and additional pay potentially. But when it comes to the amount of workload that I can handle, no. <laughs> it's a flat out no for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So for me, oh, Jadrian, go ahead. No, I, I think working uh, with a true schedule. Um, I think a lot of times we, we look at schedules and kind of take them lightly. Um, but a lot of times we may not be realistic uh, with the actual schedule. So have something, you know, where we can work through it at our pace throughout the day where we can look at the end of every day where, you know, and say we were productive this day, we got something accomplished. Um, so actually having a schedule and sticking to it, but be realistic about what you can get done and what you can't get done. And that a lot of time. Yeah. And if I could add on to that, I don't take work home anymore. Mm, yeah. And I know everybody's like, 
how you do that <laughs> as a teacher? I don't. I don't take work home. I will get to work early or I will stay at work late so that I do not have to do work at home, period. Yeah, that's um, and that allows me to separate it and uh, also to make sure I'm managing my time. So yeah. I'm not doing work at work and coming home and doing work at home. So then when do I ever take time for myself? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that's one of the things that time management is key. I've been in situations where literally I worked all day and all night. It was a nonstop battle, even working on the weekends, even Sundays, trying to prepare for my classes. So I had to, it took me a while to get to a point where I had to realize there are only so many, so much time in the day. Am I working smarter or am I just working harder? I was joking with a friend this past weekend. It was Sunday and I just was doing a check-in on them. And it was Sunday, like, I'm lesson planning for tomorrow. And I'm like, you have to take time for yourself or otherwise you're never going to have time for yourself. So you have to figure out that balance and you have to take breaks and take time. One of the things I do now, every morning when I wake up, I got this from Earl Nightingale. I list out five to ten things I'm going to accomplish that day. Hmm. No more, it's no more than ten. Because realistically speaking, it, some people have a laundry list of 20 things they're going to do. You know you're not going to get to all 20. You're just going to get frustrated. But with my list of 5 to 10, and I rank them in order, what's the most important, what's the least, and I only get through that 5 to 10 things every single day. And when I'm done, I'm done. But I make it something that's manageable so I'm not literally trying to do everything under the sun in a singular day or a singular moment. Right. I mean, so every year I buy a planner <laughs> and every year I use that planner for like 25 days. So <laughs> this year I bought this planner and I actually really love it because it, it has the same idea that you, you're talking about, Chris, where it gives me 10 spaces for right now. Like, what do I have to do right now for this day? And it also gives me a space for the top three for the day. Like, what are my big three things? And the part that I love the most is the win of the day. It has a space for me to actually write down where do I feel like I won for the day? Like, what was, what was the accomplishment? Even if it wasn't something on my list, where did I feel like, hey, that was great. So, for instance, I wrote from Saturday feeling um, one of my friend's babies kick, you know, and when we were at PD. And she's like, look, Lila. And I'm like, that was my win for the day. That was amazing for me. Um, furthermore, I try to make it so that I actually win every day on purpose and I do that by making sure I laugh in every single class period or I make students laugh every single class period it does not matter what we're talking about it does not matter how serious the quest the conversation is it does not matter how frustrated everybody is somebody gonna laugh today period <laughs> I know that if I could walk out of that class period with somebody smiling whether it be me or the kids or both of us if preferably that's a win. And I, there's this, it's hard to be stressed if you're just laughing all day. And that's me personally. I know I'm not sitting around. I mean, I kind of am sitting around cracking jokes all day, but we're still getting work done. So <laughs> in the midst of us, you know, doing all this other stuff, I make sure that I'm, I'm just joking. Like it's jokes and that lightens the mood. So at the end of the day, yeah, Alicia wasn't doing too well in the test, but me and Alicia, we got a bond. We working on her improving her academic skills because we laughing about stuff. <laughs> so as we think of I actually love that win every day 
on purpose. Like, just imagine. I mean, that's a mantra that you can take just with you personally, even, I mean, outside of teaching. Uh, just wanting to win every single day, every single hour, you accomplish something. Like, something gets done. Um, consistently. I actually like that. I'm going to steal that from you. Oh no, I wrote it down first. <laughs> <laughs> As we think about the stress and one of the things, a key fact is stress teachers have a reduced ability to teach. So it's important that you teachers out there listening that you figure out ways to reduce your stress because it's going to impact your teaching, which is most importantly, is going to impact your students. So we have to find ways as educators to reduce these stress levels. So I'm going to let Lila give her a top de-stressing tip, and then Jadrian give your top de-stressing tip as we close out our hot topic for today dealing with stress in education. Um, for me, it's what I've already said, jokes. I crack jokes all day, even if it's about ridiculous things. I think one of my students uh, in class on thir- Friday picked up a nectarine I have from the fruit left over for breakfast in the classroom, and it was funny shaped. And she said, oh, why do nectarine look like that? And I said, why are you judging him? All nectarines matter, sweetie. And so for her, and she's a black student too, so that was like a connection. She was like, really, miss? Did you just say that? Yes, I did. And it was a, a moment to lighten it up because she also wasn't getting what we were talking about. She was like, you're crazy, but okay, let's talk about why I'm not understanding what's going on. A lot of times for me, the laughter, they're icebreakers, they're transitioning points, they're de-stressors. It's laughter is everything to me. I have to have it. And that is what causes me or allows me to not be stressed. Mine is uh, saying one of my favorite quotes or a quote um, that I've uh, remembered to help me get through stress. Just that quiet time too is very important. Like take your me time. If something you feel stressed, like it's okay. To kind of just sit down, chill out, and go to your favorite coffee shop, enjoy your favorite cup of coffee, read a, a chapter or two in your favorite book, on um, whatever your vice is or whatever you do, just take that you time, say a quick prayer, whatever that is. I think that's important to as well to do. Mm-hmm. The number one de-stressing tip I have, I got this my very first year of teaching from my hallmate, Jare Blemen, and this literally has catapulted and took me throughout my career. She said, roll with the punches. No matter what happens every single day, Chris, you have to roll with the punches. Some punches are going to hurt. Some punches won't hurt so bad. But if you roll with them, get up, dust yourself off, and keep going, you'll be okay. So we think about the de-stressing piece. It's just thinking about how do we deal with it? How do we manage it? Because it's going to come, but it's how do we react to it? Which leads us now into our inspirational moment as we close out each Inspiring Educators podcast. Lila had a good point earlier today. She said, what is winning to you? So I'm going to close us out with what is winning to you. So as you listen to this podcast, I want you to really take a moment. What is winning? How do you define it? Everyone should define winning differently. For us as educators, is winning a student passing the test? Is winning you getting a promotion? Is winning you possibly finding a new job? But how do you define winning? Because if you don't know, if you haven't defined what winning is for you, how do you know you've achieved it? 
each of us as educators needs to set goals along the way. If we're not setting goals, how are we progressing? How are we getting better? Because at the end of the day, we're trying to get better for our students. That's what we got into education for. So we need to look at what does winning look like for us and what does winning look like for our students. For me, winning looks like students being successful in mathematics, but most importantly, using mathematics to impact the world in which they live. For me, that's a win. Because for me, education has to go beyond can students pass a test, can students just do well in my class, but my thing is can students impact the communities in which they live. Our students come to us with a variety of backgrounds, situations, and circumstances. With that said, we have to prepare them not just for college and career, prepare them for life in itself. We meet a lot of people, especially in mathematics world, who say, I never use math, or I don't like math, et cetera, et cetera. Why? Because we didn't prepare them to use math in the real world. We prepared, prepared them to use mathematics for a test. We have to think bigger than that. So when we think about winning, think bigger than can a student just win on a small level every day in your class, but think about setting goals for them to win in life. But then think about you as an educator, how are you trying to win? What are you trying to win at? It's bigger than a job. Anybody can have a job. It's the journey of the broke. You, we're trying to have careers here as educators that make a difference in the world. In my opinion, we're not educators by happenstance. It's a purposeful in our lives to become educators and to impact students' lives and their impact in our lives. And we're leaving a legacy that's bigger than us that's going to go way after we leave this world. So what is winning to you? Figure that out. Write it down. And as Lila stated, do it every day. That can change what is winning for that day. But then think bigger. What is winning for the year? What is winning for the career? What is winning for your life? As we close out this Inspiring Educators podcast, Lila, any last words? Jadrian, I was going to say Jaleel for some reason. Jadrian, any last words? (laughs) (laughs) Jaleel. Hey, just always remember you guys, regardless of the circumstance and the situation, um, it's always a worse situation somewhere. And just remember, you're too blessed to be stressed. Remember that. Absolutely. And as I said, um, back in, when was this, April? Stay in your lane. It's the same idea with this, with winning. What is winning defined for you? How is winning defined for you? Understand that when you compare yourself to others, that is a false idea of what it's like to win in you by your standards. Figure that out for yourself so that you can feel happy and blessed and stress-free every day in your classroom. And most importantly, every educator listening to this podcast, take care mm-hmm. of yourself. Take care of yourself. Hopefully you were inspired today. Be sure to leave comments on our social media pages. We would love to hear from you and how we can further support you and what you do. We are the Inspiring Educators. And this is Inspiring Educators Podcast. Yeah. Good night. Smile, smile, smile.